Welcome to episode three of Redboard Rewind. I'm your host, Spencer Luganbeal. Today's special guest is Benny South Street, who has been doing trip notes for all the two-year-old races this summer for the In The Money website. Today, we talk about his approach to trip handicapping, plus some two-year-old races from last week. This is Redboard Rewind. It's the same old story. to welcome in my special guest, Benny Southstreet. Benny, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So let's start off with a real simple, easy one. When you are trip handicapping, what is kind of your process throughout uh, the handicapping process or the trip handicapping process? Well, it's pretty extensive. Um, the, the first thing I do, I'm I consider myself a little bit younger compared to a lot of the older players, even though I, I am getting up there in age. Uh, <laughs> I print all my forms. Okay. So I'm a paper guy. Um, I'll have the forms in front of me whenever I watch the races, and uh, I, I make notes as, I, as I'm watching the races. So if there's anything that I see in terms of race flow, I write it at the top of the page. Uh, you know, I might see something like two horses are hooked and they're five clear, and I want to make note of that. I'll write it above the race. It's great well, actually when you're not playing a race. That's the best time to take a note because you have a lot of interest in your own wagers, right? When you're uh, when you're playing, but when you're not playing, it makes a lot of sense for me to just take advantage of that time and and scribble notes as I'm going through. So. That's the first thing I do is I print everything. So I'll watch the races once and I'll make notes. I'll watch the head-on. I'll make more notes. And I'll go back at the end of the card, which is the best time to do it, uh, because you want to get a feel for, for track bias. It, it's, it's best, in my opinion, to do it at the end of the card. I have mm -hmm. different notes that I take on, like Saratoga is a gold mine for what I call CADs, right? So CADs. To me, I'll make notes of class, age, distance, and sex. So they have these huge fields, especially in the two-year-old races, where they run the same race in two different divisions that might be you know, two or three races apart. And I want to make notes of those fractions and compare those races because you can get a lot of throwouts. So I'll make notes of that. Um, and then I have my watch list, which I which I use mostly for negative information, not positive information. So I love to, people make notes of horses they want to follow and bet back. Those can be difficult because you don't know who they're going to run against the next time. And, you know, they might, you might like a maiden claimer that moves up to, into a maiden special weight. And he's just not, he's not playable in that case. Uh, but a lot of the negative information, it's, it's almost always useful. So I probably have, 10 horses a day that I throw into a watch that, that, uh, I know there's no chance I'll be playing back. I make notes like kill yourself. If you bet the source next time, <laughs> no business playing the source. So yeah, that's, that's where it starts for me. I mean, I've got all kinds of different notes that I make on, 
um, you know, before the card, I'll, I'll make horse notes, right? So if there's ever, if somebody gets cut, I'll, I'll make a note. This horse was the first time gilding prior to this race. You know, people in their own forms, they're looking at, at equipment changes and Lasix and blinkers and what have you. That's a really good one that people don't utilize is that equipment change. Everyone says the greatest yes. equipment change, but people, I don't think take the time to make that note. I mean, even, um, not necessarily a trip note, but it's a, it's a horse note and, and it's important. Um, yeah, I, I, all kinds of different stuff. I, if a, if a race is written for three-year-olds and up and there are no four-year-olds in the race or up, I'll make a note of that. You know, so when people are looking, they say, Oh, we ran against older. Well, maybe, you know, maybe not. not really, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. So all those races, if, if they're, if they're only one or two four-year-olds, I'll, I'll make a note of that and who they were and how they performed in that race. Um, and then I have, you know, all kinds of different, every starter was a first time starter in this race, for example, I mean, you could have two-year-olds always improve, you know, they're just learning, they're being educated. They're almost always moving up. Uh, unless something goes awry with their with their health, um, so I think that's an important note. I don't think people really take take note of that either. They, you want to know if if everyone in there is just learning. Just a brief flyover view of, of what I'm doing. Well, I feel like I've learned already enough notes for me to start looking at the cards for Friday for Belmont. That was really really good, Benny. Um, so when you first start looking at a race, obviously you start with out of the gate and are you mostly making notes? I know some people go like if it's a two turn race, they'll do notes out of the gate, the first turn, the back stretch, the second turn and down the stretch. Do you kind of break it down to that way or are you just kind of only specific parts of the race? Well, what I try and do is I'll have a race note, which I tie into. So I use formulator. Uh, I try, I try to tie in the race note because that's the most important thing for me because it attaches to every horse. Yes. Right? So if you have a solid race note, you can attach that to every horse. If I'm playing in a contest and I'm really grinding, I'll watch a trip extremely close, um, maybe three times on one horse. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to find things that, maybe the average person and even the above average person may not see. And I think if you've read any of the, the work that I've done with, with Pete on the, in the money podcast, um, you might stumble into some of that stuff where I think jockeys can uh, maybe not, you know, they've been asked to give the horse a race or what have you. Uh, I'm being kind. There's an asterisk there. Um, yeah. But I'll try and find I'll, I'll try and find those little little things as well, and I'll type a lot for one horse if I'm really grinding and paying attention. I'll I'll take him through the whole race. So about how long would you say it would take you to do one race of trip notes for you know let's say it's a t eight horse field? That'll take me probably an hour. So you're really putting in the work. After the case, I've heard some people who will be a little bit too busy right after the race cards that they'll start doing it uh, on the two off days. So obviously for New York, it would be, you know, Monday, Tuesday. That's how I kind of started to do trip notes when I started reading the buyer book or watching Dan Illman's trip handicapping DVD. 
but you think it's very it's much more important to do it right after compared to waiting till that dark day well i i, I do both right so I, I try and this summer i've uh i think i probably bit off a little bit more than i could chew i, I started tracking three tracks so wow the, the okay. one that i like to track the most is Gulfstream. okay um Gulfstream's typically, and and it's in most contests, uh, and you know they get they get big fields, and there's a lot of nonsense going on there. I think, <laughs> uh, so I try and pay I try and pay attention to that one the most. Had some really nice scores there with with some guys that I were I was convinced you know weren't trying. So I tracked that one the most, and then this this summer uh, I've tracked uh, Del Mar and Saratoga, and I. I try and stay ahead of that, uh, but it, but it's been hard. But I've pretty much pulled it off. I've only got about ten cards that I need to go through, and I'll and I'll be done. That's so. very very cool. It's a very hard thing to do covering one track, and you've been covering three. Also, Gulfstream has like thirteen race cards sometimes on the weekend, and I cannot believe they have that many races. It's like the grind is yeah. just Gulfstream, let alone the other two major tracks where everyone is watching. Yeah, it's been a lot of work. Um, I found myself getting up really early, uh, mm-hmm. you know, getting up at four thirty or five, and and just trying to make race notes in every race, and trying to be trying to be thorough. Uh, but it's paid off. That's the one thing is it, I'm pretty. Uh, I'm not ashamed to use the word compulsive about just the things that I take on. I, I used to play golf. I got really serious into that. I was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna work thirty minutes a day, and I. I went from a 10 handicap to a, you know, like a plus two handicap. Mm-hmm. The same thing with basketball. It, it's I'm just competitive by nature. So when I, you know, I started playing horses a little bit more seriously. It's a fun, you know, it's been a hobby, but getting getting more serious. I just don't want to get outworked. What does your wife think about you taking all the time to do this? She's been she's been awesome. It it it, it does. Uh, you know, she'll have to reel me in sometimes and go, hey, you know your daughter's here tugging on your shirt. You know, you gotta, you gotta spend time with the family. So you've got to have some, some life balance in there. Um, but she knows, I told her, I said, this summer's going to be rough, but, but once it's over, you know, it'll, it'll circle back and, and, you know, it's paid off. I, this love, this year has been, been really good, especially in the contest world. The major thing I think with a lot of handicappers, you see guys who are doing it, you know, 10 hours a day, you know, I hear some pros are doing it, you know, a hundred hours a week and you really have to find that life balance. Cause if you don't, you are uh, going to be in trouble. Let's leave it at that. You have to enjoy it too. Right. So I enjoy it. I, I like looking for these things. I, I remember listening to, to Pete's podcast and he had, uh, I believe it was Frank McGoey on there. And he said, you know, I just love trying to find, uh, trying to find these these horses you know that they're trying to put over or a trip or what have you and i'm the same way so i i I enjoy looking for those and uh it's just a passion you know it's it's you gotta you gotta do life short you gotta do what you enjoy and if you can do it with the balance which i think i have this year it's it's well worth it so I have some other questions for you. So obviously with Saratoga, there was a pretty big bias this year that the rail was dead most days. Of a bias do you have to have to add it to your notes? Does it have to be a very small one? Does it have to be major? Like with Timeform, you have, they do the different color codings of what was happening that day 
for certain race flows. Now, when it matters to inside or outside, like where do you go with that? My bias handicapping, I think uh, I do not, it, it's got to be pretty strong for me to, to make a note. Uh, I used to use, people don't even know what this thing is anymore. It's, it's gone downhill, but it's the racing digest. They used to use their biases in Southern California. So they would, so I label my biases like they do. So F being a front running bias and L being a late running bias. Okay. And then same for inside, outside, I and O. So if it was, for example, a strong late running, strong outside bias, they would label them one, two, or three. That would be an L202, strong late running, strong outside. So I'll label my biases uh, the same. Um, but I'm very – I know a lot of really sharp guys, uh, they'll make their biases based on every every horse, tracking path. I don't – really do that so I'll, I'll take a snapshot of uh, i'll pause the race and for example you might have a, a 10 horse field and the first five horses in the race are all double digit odds and all the better runners are mm-hmm. are the late runners yeah um which tends to happen a lot back east right so not yeah, so much sure. out here this is a different you know different kind of style of racing but even on dirt races you out there you've got a couple guys that that are aggressive early and a lot of these guys they just they just want to sit and it makes for uh makes for late running style of racing so i didn't put you know i had i had probably six or seven days that i thought were significant but a lot of the bias talk that i heard i didn't agree with and you don't have to win to me to, for there to be a bias, right? So if you run third and you get beat three lengths and you were the inside most horse, I, you know, I, I could identify tons of horses on every day that ran that well. For me, they didn't need to win. It was just, you know, how did he perform? He performed fine. And that would blow up a bias for me. But I, And I'll do it in, in ways that are one-turn and two-turn two races, races on dirt, right? So I'll have... You know, I'll have sprints that have maybe no bias, and then on a route, I might have a bias. But you've, you've, you've got to pay attention to that. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to chart the whole meet, you know, and have my own opinion on that. Because if I'm relying on other people, sometimes I fall into biases that I may not necessarily agree with. That's like, here, Here's one example. I, I, and I had heard Pete and, and Jonathan talk about this, and there was a horse that ran inside, and Joel had ridden the hair off this thing it was you know he he won of course mm-hmm. came back on the rail end up winning the race if he had run third in that race and got beaten a length that would have been enough for me he didn't need to win the horse the horse ran the horse ran fine in my opinion um biases to me uh they've got a you've got to really and sometimes you can really see it the horse swoops on the outside and the one coming behind him goes around him and the one coming goes him goes around him that to me is a is a real bias, and you have to take note of it. But there's only so much you can do in terms of uh, track bias info, and and that's just my opinion. I, I think I'd probably be in the far minority with that. But most days for me, I've got a none, and I do track it every day. But I'll I'll make a I'll make a note uh, for the day. I'll I'll list it, you know, front running or or late running and inside outside. And, and it's also for me, it's mostly path in terms of inside and outside 
right? So if, if the track is outside, it's usually going to be late running because the horses that make the lead, you know, it takes the, the riders some time to figure out, Hey, you know, I can't be down in there. You know, then they're maybe running off the, off the lead. But the other day, Alvarado won the big race. He won the wood. Yeah. He, he thought the rail was dead. And he yeah. commented on that after the race. I didn't agree with that. So when I went through and I looked at that card and I looked at the whole card, there were plenty of horses that ran just fine being on the, on the innermost path. Another big thing for me when I'm looking at uh, bias will be odds. A lot of the times, like if Jeltrin in the, when she was on the Belmont card, got up for third, she was like a bomb 35 to one. I was like, okay, maybe there's something about the inside because when longer priced horses who shouldn't be anywhere near there end up hitting the board or fourth or fifth when they should be like, you know, the last two, that to me really does mean something to where it's like, okay, it's more for me longer odds than it is the shorter odds because the shorter odds are supposed to win. They're supposed to go by the bad horses. So when the bad horses kind of hold on like that, I'm very, very intrigued by that day of races. I would agree with that as well. Um, there's always that one race that that may blow it up, uh, you know, on mm-hmm. Belmont Day. The, the I can't remember which sprint it was, but uh, there was one race that fell apart. Um, yeah. And some horses that had done well on the outside, but the race was an absolute meltdown. Um, but I think on a, on a lot of these days, I can find, you know, two or three races where I just, you know, there's no way that I can say, okay, well, that, that was outside. It's usually, to me, it's a better horse bias. You know, the better yeah. horses are usually run, running, you know, running through those biases and, and what have you. So a question I've always wanted to know with trip handicapping, it's just something I've always wondered. So this last weekend, we had a lot of what seemed to be gate scratches where horses were loading in and out. They were staying in the gate longer than usual. Do you make a note of that when that happens in a race? Because obviously most of the time they get in the gate and they go. But if they have to sit behind there for two, three minutes, can you kind of give a horse like, you know, the good old cross out like he was stuck in the gate for three minutes? He's not used to that. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I don't. Well, I, you know, I take that back. If it matters, if they get, if they get nervous. Um, so to me, they're getting ready to fight. I don't know if you've ever been in a fight. I've been in plenty, <laughs> but when you get into a, when you get, when you get into a fight, you, you, your adrenaline goes. And before you know, let's say you, th- you might throw five punches and you're gassed. Absolutely gassed. Sounds about right. On the playground, and getting getting in some fights, and within 20 seconds, you, you're you're gassed. I think that's kind of how it works for horses too when they're in the gate and they're getting nervous, and that adrenaline boost goes, you know, spikes through the roof. Absolutely. If they're just standing, if they're just standing there, I won't, you know, for a long time. Uh, that doesn't bother me so long as they're calm. You know, the big thing about the gate is you've got to be watching live. You got to yeah. make those notes live. So very rarely on a replay, we see a horse get nervous, nervous enough when they cut to that replay that you can, that you can make note of that. And when that happens, I do, you know, say, Hey, you know, this one, this one was nervous or I'll say, I'll just be honest with myself. Don't know why, but jock remounted in gate, you know, and I'll, and I'll make a note of that. And, and, and it's important. Um, there's only, you know, the, the notes that are in most PPs are not good. 
You know, they've yeah. only got so many characters. It's probably 20 characters or so. And, and a lot of times they're just dead wrong. You know, it'll say broke slow. The horse broke fine. You'll see the horses in the nine path and he was in the four path. Yep. See that all the time. Gulfstream's the worst. I don't know who does the trips there, but he doesn't deserve a job. <laughs> um, I mean, it's really bad. And it's hard when you try to give out that information and then people are not misled's the wrong word, but you, if you had someone's trip notes like yourself in every, in every, you know, form, it would be a lot different for people looking at notes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an, it's an ego thing too. Uh, I'm kind of a hoarder with information. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm uh it's a, let's be honest, the game in terms of the, the gaming is, uh, it's, it can be who's trying to outdo who and, you know, withholding Absolutely. information or changing information. And that's one of the reasons why I enjoy it. But at the same time, um, you've got to, if you're doing it yourself, then you, you obviously you trust yourself. You've got no one to blame, but yourself. So that's why I like, I like doing the trips. Very, very cool. Uh, last question before we get into the races. And I think you kind of mentioned this a little bit in the beginning, what do you think gets the better mutual for a win playing against the dream trip or betting back the troubled trip? There's no question. It's, it's playing against the dream trip. They happen all the time. Um, most, most times they're, they're horses that are running in the top three and, and, uh, the average reader of a PP will go back and say, oh, you know, he ran this number mm-hmm. or he finished first or, you know, he finished second and look, he was five clear of the third horse. Um, but a lot of those are just pitiful plays. Absolutely. Um, I, I had, uh, trying to think back, I, I was in a contest. Um, it was the Belmont or the, rather the Saratoga, I think it was the four star Dave contest. I can't remember, but it was an online contest. I was playing from home and I had one note that was gold and shame on me. I, I was playing, I was trying to be a good dad and I was playing with my daughter and I missed the race. <laughs> they didn't oh, it. But I went it always back happens like that. Too. I'm like, okay, I, I was cold. You know, I missed a couple of races in a row. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just going to take a deep breath and, and hang out here for a minute. But I had just a dream note and the note, it, in fact, I, I, I thought you might ask me this. So I had printed up this form and it was, so I talked about CADs earlier, class, mm-hmm. age, distance, and sex. So yeah. my note, there were, there were two horses in that race that were dueling for favoritism. It was a horse named Turf War and a horse named Catch a Thrill. So my note was the same ASD, which is age, sex, and distance, mm-hmm. but straight maidens. So this was an allowance non-winner one race. It was five and a half on the turf, and I had that – the maidens were much better three races later. So the fractions, if you can oh, make a mental note of this, for anybody listening, you might want to pause and write these down because it's pretty telling on what, and this is one of the reasons why I like trips and paying attention to stuff like this more than I like speed figures, because you can run the same time and at three different ways, two of them will dominate the other one. So, so here's the example. I had same age, sex, and distance, but maidens were much mm-hmm. better three races later. 
The Maidens ran 22-63, And when you looked over at the non-winner one race, they ran 21-2, 4475 5670 and 10280 so they went six lengths faster early yeah and the finishing time was almost the same and it was a, it was just a it was a pitiful race for any closer in that race mm-hmm. and my my note after that said wouldn't bet any closer out of here and i had good trip notes and this this was a 2 to 1 favorite and a five to two favorite were both closing out of that race. Oh, that's that's a and, great note. As soon as you can take some they of that were automatic stuff out. tosses, automatic tosses. They had they had very little chance of winning. And sure enough, they both ran out, and Navarro went wire to wire, and and he was almost three to one. He paid seven ninety, and he, he probably should have been four to five. And uh, so yeah, that's another thing too. I like to look at when. Not just the trips, but uh, the fractions are are critical for me because uh, you can come up with the same speed figure on a, on a finishing time. So speed figures are usually based on when they trip the wire to when they hit the finish, mm-hmm. and uh, they're totally different. Uh, you can have totally different class of horses even running the same exact time. That's my view. I'm, I'm more of a pace guy than I am a an overall start to finish guy that's very very interesting so do you have pars for certain levels for the paces would you say well for saratoga's like i said saratoga's gold um it's one of the reasons why i've enjoyed charting it so much Mm -hmm. uh, because they'll have like for instance this this last over the weekend they had uh they had three races at seven eights, and two of them were were two year old races that uh, were divided, right? So they basically different divisions. So it was the same yeah. class, age, distance, and sex, and they're exactly the same. And one of them is clearly worlds better than the other. Um, so I'm I'm pretty much going to toss everything out of one of them, and those are the fifth and the seventh race on the thirty first. You know, they're just, they're so much different. Um, I mean, I could take you through it. I don't want to bore anybody, but it's, uh, they ran slower early. They ran slower late. Uh, and that, the, the winner of that second race looked like a pretty nice one. That was three technique. And, yeah. uh, unfortunately for me, I, I, I played the horse that ran second. That was my big bet in the contest. I went all in on always misbehaving who ran a good race, but uh, got run over by a legitimate contender who I thought could win. And, and sure enough, that's what happened. But in that other race, uh, which was the fifth, uh, I'll, I'll pretty much toss everything out of there. And that's really important for people. Cause it, when these two races, if they do come back and you have, let's say, even the third or fourth place out of the winning out of the first race. And then everyone else comes back from the other race. Well, you pretty much have a lone contender and a lone single. Cause you just know what type of class the two races were. And that can be really, really beneficial when that horse comes out, even though he ran sixth, he could be four five, six to one on the board. Yep. Absolutely. So that's where I think, you know, I think the term value kind of gets overplayed sometimes, but for me, it, that's, 
that is where you've where value synonymous with you know having that edge that that can get you to something that maybe other people aren't going to find and uh that's one where famished was the winner out of that first leg and was bet off of a bad break and you know he got knocked around a little bit and he ran fine and he won but when he comes back against winners he's he's going to be a toss for me and he may you know he in all likelihood he'll get over bet very 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 interesting uh how about we get into some races then from last week i know i sent you a list of a couple races uh Race seven on Friday, I just thought it was interesting. There's not many trip notes to go on about, but the winner was uh, Remain Anonymous, Joel Rosario Road. Michael Trombetta was the trainer. Uh, for me, when I'm looking a lot at two-year-old racing, I go on Blood Horse and I use their top two-year-old uh, sire list and all that, and I try to look it up by winners, not by how much money they've won. And Tapature and American Pharaoh have pretty much been going back and forth for the lead. So as soon as I saw this horse at 15 to one and then get bet down, he was pretty much my pick of the day there. What do you do with a horse like that? If you don't have a trip note, what are you looking for in those first time starters? Uh, well, I, I, I'm pretty good at reading workouts. Um, even if I don't have a workout report. So I use HTR. Um, it was some software developed by a guy named Ken Massa, and they're very good with identifying strong pedigree and also first time out pedigree. So the, the issue that I have with zone with saying, okay, was there anything here? Everyone in there was well-bred. Yeah. Right. So you had, you know, the rail was a, was a tap at the, the one outside of her was was a, a strong first time out pedigree and constitution and and you know there was a distorted humor and a Malibu mood. There were every horse in here had for good strong first time out pedigree. I think that in just one guy's opinion is I try not to get too hung up on that. It, it is important, but when it's watered down a little bit by the rest of the field, mm-hmm. um, which I think even though this horse won to me, it was, it was one that, you know, I only had two first timers in here that I thought the pedigree wasn't good enough. And I just kind of ignored, I'll look for other things that, that that one did have a very strong workout report. Um, what I had read was, you know, I had two B plus workouts on that horse and I had picked it in a pick and pray contest and was kind of upset when I, (laughs) the horse and the odds horse just kept dropping and dropping. Yeah. Um, but I'll I'll look for for me what I'll do is I kind of walk myself through it out loud. It's, it sounds kind of silly, but you know that 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 horse's first workout was thirty-seven and two, so she jogged around the track and then she had another thirty-seven and two, and they said, okay, well let's let's see what's under the hood, and they worked her five eighths from the gate. Um they immediately skipped right through the, the half mile workout. Usually you get that build up. You'll get sometimes even out here. I don't see it so much back East, but you know, they'll work, you know, they'll work a quarter and then they'll work three eighths and then they'll work a half and then they'll work five eighths. And they kind of, they get that build up. Absolutely. This one had two, two, two jogs around the track. 
And then she worked five eighths from the gate and then she worked three quarters and then she worked five eighths from the gate. And then she finally got her half. So to me, it was almost like, okay, let's get her, let's, let's get her some knowledge in the gate. Let's build her speed back up with the half. And then she had a nice half breeze from the gate. It was, it was a great work pattern. Mm-hmm. I look at work patterns a lot. Um, I, co- I combine that with the pedigree and you pointed that out. Yes. Chapter does have amazing first time out pedigree, but when you get the combination of that with a, with a strong work pattern, and, and then if you can familiarize yourself with, with these, these trainers and their, their creatures that have it too, right? So they have their own go-tos and on, on how to get these horses ready. I'm not so, so much familiar back with back East as I am, uh, out here on the West coast, there are certain angles that I look for in trainers that are just gold. Um, I'll share one of them with you. Hess, when he works his horses slow and he's in a maiden clamor, he's an automatic use. Interesting. Like obnoxiously slow. He'll work. 52 he'll work and half perform for a longs. 52. Yeah. You know, and six works in a row, you know, just all slow, obnoxiously slow. And he'll run and, you know, made in thirties or thirty twos or fifties and he'll get sneakily back. You know, he'll be twelve to one morning line and he's twelve to one. It's like who is betting this horse? Of course there's no bad workout reports. He'll get C plus works. I don't even look at him. That's the other thing too, right? So trainers I think they they will uh if I'm a trainer and I'm looking to cash, why am I showing you what I have? Yeah, you know, the, the Bob Bafferts of the world when they're winning with these, you know, these expensive, these expensive horses, and you know, he's got B plus workouts, and you know, they're not hiding anything. They're trying to win. You know, he's trying to get to the classics and make money for his clients. So I don't really pay attention to that stuff. But in the weeds, when you start looking at these guys, that you know, they're looking to, they're looking to score. Um. Like I said, they're creatures of habit, and if you can familiarize with what they're doing, that's that's the biggest thing. It for me. That, no, that, that's all really great information. I like that you brought up the thing with Hess, that because a lot of people look for those fast works. They're like, if a horse is working slowly, it must not be that good. Well, most horses in maiden claimers aren't supposed to be working forty-seven, forty-six, even out in Southern California where it's a little bit faster. And I'll, I'll pay attention to the first work too, because there's not a trainer on the planet, I don't think, uh, if he knows what he's doing or she knows what she's doing, that sends their horse onto the track first time out and it's a puppy and it's April and it's a two year old and they say, okay, you know, well, get her out there in 34. <laughs> it, you know, they just don't, they don't do that, right? So a lot of these things have to be. The babies have to be re-educated. They've been whipped and slashed, and they're trying to run ten and four in a in a sale, and then they they show up on the track and they they're they're kind of a mess, right? So, absolutely, uh, they've got to be reprogrammed a little bit, and and to do that, I think they get them out there and they 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 ease them into the to their new job. So I'll look at the first workout for me is the big one. Okay. Um, if they if they work fast, and then they go slow, 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 slow. To me, that is an absolute hide. And burnout would be a good word, probably. Yeah, yeah just you know, I think they're hiding. You know, like wow, this 
we've got something here. Let's let's make sure we don't, you know, let's hide this one a little bit. Okay. So I'll look at the first I'll look at the first workout and then I'll look at the first gate work. Those are both important to me because horses are, you know, there's a reason why first time out pedigree is important. Yeah. Because some of them have that that trait that's in their brain. I don't think it's a it's a talent thing necessarily. A lot of these horses are well bred and they've got talent, but you know, they just I think their brains mature differently. That's my view of it. But you get a horse in a gate and it's like, okay, it's it's go time. So I want to see that first gate work. If it's fast and then the next next gate work is really slow, that's a tip off to me as well. And I like that. I like the I like fast slow back to back works. Because it's it's a it's a hint of talent, but it's also a I will listen to you trait. You, you now, know, if if you want me to if you want me to rate, I can do that. Do you always want to see the fast work first? If you see a slow work first, is it not the same type of dynamic? For me, it's always been fast slow. Okay. Yep. But it's the same. I suppose it's kind of the same thing. Um, but but my work pattern is typically. Uh, a fast, slow one. That's what I'm. That's what I'm looking for in those. And then you know the basic stuff where you you're looking. You can try and figure out some uh, fitness levels. You know if they're working every, you know, six, seven, eight days. And that's a good thing. You want that steady pattern. And then you know, like I said, trainers are creatures of habit. Like Jerry uh, out here trains. He trains on a computer. He's got so many horses, right? So if his horses Absolutely. aren't working, he's got a gap, and he works in 11 days instead of seven, there's a problem there for me. Very, very you gotta, interesting. You, gotta, you know, you, you learn that stuff over time. That's what, you know, horse racing, it's, it's just that big puzzle, and it's, uh, it's fun to try and pay attention to, but, you know, it just takes a lot of, a lot of time to figure that stuff out. Not that I'm always right because I'm not, but um, there's certain angles that I'll I'll pay attention to with with trainers that you know, they they can they can make you a lot of money. They can make you that big score that everyone's trying to find. That's very interesting, Benny. Uh, the next race I wanted to go over was race eight on Saturday. I had the uh, opportunity to do the uh, Naira show with Pete at the Don Julio Bandstand. And this is a horse that everyone had been talking about, Mr. Jaggers, the like universal trip horse. And it seemed like the race, he was just a little bit too far back. And they kind of went one, two, three around the racetrack. The winner, no word, was pretty much just tracking two long shots. And it seemed to me like he got a perfect trip. He did. Um, he did get a very nice trip. And I watched this race a couple times. And it did kind of seem like it had that merry-go-round feel. But the big thing for me was Jaggers, they could run 50 times, and Jaggers is not going to beat No Word. No Word galloped out like a quarter of a mile in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Like he was he, – he hadn't taken a deep breath yet. I, I would agree. He, he would, you know, it wasn't the most ideal trip for, uh, for Mr. Jaggers, but I think No Word is, is a really nice horse, and I don't think he was – it was all kind of moot. You could have switched trips, and I think No Word was just. I think he's that much more talented than that one. But it's a good point. You know, a lot of these races, they can, they kind of have that merry-go-round style where they just they go too slow and they and they run in place. Usually, it happens with the fillies. 
and mostly on dirt, you know, those, you get those young fillies and they just don't want to pass each other. And it's like, man, what happened? They, yeah, they flew and nobody came. And it's like, okay, that's cause they're, they're little puppy fillies and they don't, you know, they get the nearest breath of throwback and they're, they're and they run in place. Um, but these ones are, if they, if they're, if they're good enough, they can, they can still overcome that trip. No word just ran away from, from the pace, especially on the gallop out. So that's another thing too. Like you might see a buy a bias in this, in this case, this would be a, a almost a pace bias, but no word ran away from that bias. Even, even after the wire. I mean, I know it's after the wire and some horses are getting pulled up or what have you, but this is a smart horse. He hit the wire and he threw his ears forward. He knew exactly. He never, he never stopped. He never stopped with ears forward and just, you know, on cruise control. And he's got really good action. If you watch him on the head on, he's flipping his, I mean, it's, it's really good. He's a nice horse. Um, it was actually something interesting. I know that you've been tracking a lot of Saratoga. When I was going through the races, trying to find for this podcast, everyone complains that Todd Pletcher had like a bad year this year. He was every single spot in every race this weekend. And I think he won four races on the turf. Now I know he's usually a dirt guy. Are you surprised that he's now winning with firsters on the turf as well? I'm not, um, I'm not. He's, these guys are, I think Todd is a lot like Baffert in that there's more money to be had on dirt and classics. But I tell friends this all the time, like, you know, oh, Baffert on turf, you know, I can't use him. And I say, okay, well, that's just silly because Bob can train a turf horse. He just, that's not what he chooses to do. You know, he wants to win a certain kind of race. Chad wants to win turf races, but Chad can train dirt horses, can absolutely train awesome dirt horses. And it goes back a long time. I remember a filly that, that, uh, that Pletcher had wait a while, you know, she'll, she would run on broken glass. She'd run on anything, but he won, he won some really big races with her. And, and it kind of opened my eyes a little bit like, man, I always thought that he was, you know, that, that he was just a dirt guy and, and, you know, I was still kind of learning. And I, was that that was the moment for me where I thought, well, this is just silly. The guy can train. He just, you know, he, that's just not his, his game. So it's my own bias that I, that I, that's my mistake that people will, you know, they'll, they won't use or they'll downgrade because of a, a very, you know, hall of fame trainer running on turf. It's a style of training too. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, now with no word as well, do you think that maybe he just wanted more distance more than the turf? Because, I mean, with that gall- kind of gallop out, it seems like he could just run forever. Sure did look that way. Sure did look that way. Um, and he's bred that way, too. You know, he's he's out of an AP Indy mare, and, and uh, yeah, it, it looked that way visually. The, but uh, these good the... horses, you know, they'll they'll win. I mean, he 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 could have won sprinting. It just so had, you know, uh, a friend of mine. He owns horses and he and he trains with uh, his trainer is Eric Cruljack, and he made a good point to me the other day. He said, you know, these these horses, good horses will win at any distance. It's when you put them at their best distance that you get the best results. But he could have won. He he could have run that horse going five and a half, and and he would have won. But yeah, he, he he was visually impressive, and I and I do think he'll run all day. 
now if we want to skip over to Sunday's races, the first race of the day. Very interesting. The winner broke away poorly. How much do you upgrade horses at sprint distances who break poor and still win? Because obviously that's a big time deal when you're only going five and a half, six furlongs and you break bad. You have to come from all the way back. It's it's important. Um, I wish the stewards thought it was more important. Um, there's so many factors, Spencer, so many factors. So, for example, every horse in the race is a first-time starter. And let's say you break just a little bit off and then you roll home and, and you win. Probably wouldn't upgrade that one as much because you got a bunch of horses in front that are probably still learning, etc. No different than the circumstance where they fly early. You broke, you broke a little slow, but you can overcome it because, you know, three horses were hooked, five clear, and the horses that were in fourth, fifth, and sixth were all dogs. You didn't, you didn't like them anyway. You didn't respect them, and you rolled right past them, and, you know, you end up winning. Or the, or the gallop out where it's an absolute meltdown, and, oh, look how far out, look how far in front he galloped out. Well, yeah, he did, but everyone else you know, was looking for a, a hole to crawl into. So it, it does matter, but it, I think it does depend on the circumstance, um, the class of horse. In, in a maiden race, you can have huge disparities in class that you just are not aware of yet. Um, so I probably wouldn't give that as, as big of an upgrade as I would say a really nice allowance horse or a stakes horse that breaks slow. They're going to have a hard time overcoming that unless they do get help up front. Interesting. Uh, so if they overcome that, that, you know, because the, the faster you get, the less margin for error there is. And a lot of times these maidens, these baby races, that I, I even believe that some of these trainers don't, they're not sure what they have. Like, yeah, we, we think we got a good one, but they get surprised. Oh, he couldn't run or they get surprised, man. We, that was impressive. You know, let's, Let's try and step them up the ladder and see what we have. And because there's such a big gap in talent, sometimes, not every time, I don't know how you'd make note of that. I guess you just would have to make a mental note because uh, you can't really be, you know, m making notes all the time on every horse that breaks, you know, a half slow. He didn't break that bad. He, he was a little, he was off a little slow, but um, yeah, nothing, I guess nothing I'm not really answering your man. question. I don't, I don't know. It depends. It just depends for me. Okay. Okay. Uh, the horse that won the race was also Chimney Rock, ridden by Jose Ortiz. Michael Maker was the trainer. Uh, Summer Sangria was the favorite in that race. The only horse that ever raced at five and a half. Uh, just a very, very interesting race. On to race five. This one kind of, this one's kind of hard for me. Uh, maiden claimers, so it's a little bit different. And uh, this was D. Wayne Lucas with uh, Luis Reyes. Uh, when I look at D Wayne, he just hasn't done too well with a two year old stock. Was there anything that could show that this horse is going to improve and win at 23 to one? Well, I'll put you, I'll put you in, in the trip note seat. Did you watch the replay of his previous race? I did not watch the replay of his previous race. Because when you sent me this uh, note on the race, I, I watched and I went, Oh no. How did I not see this horse? Oh no! <laughs> because he was he was destroyed. Um, and I'm going to flip back here while we talk. 
This was the first. So I'm watching the head-on right now. And uh, bear with me two seconds. Yeah, he he gets he gets murdered for the first 150 yards. He had no shot. He got bumped. He got hit from the outside. Head went cocked sideways. And then when you flip to the pan shot, recovered pretty well um, to not lose ground. And then made made a really nice second eighth move to get within pretty decent contention by by the end of the first quarter he probably ran just as fast as the leaders did early and then he was stuck wide so he got an absolute pass so if 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 you're in tune with lucas right you know he's not firing first time out he's going to get better with training um even second time out he's probably a third fourth type of guy anyway yeah and this was the third time. This was, the, I believe, this was the third race of his career, wasn't it? It was the fourth race, the one the on fourth. Okay, okay, Sorry. right. The third was the one where he got butchered. Yep, yep. So, yes is the answer. There's if you go back and watch him on on tape. You know, it's funny is you, I watched the pan first, and there was nothing there, and I watched the head on, and I went, oh man, he got murdered. <laughs> so, the the head on is where you're going to find most of the good trips anyway that are hidden, because you could look at that comment and I believe it, the comment was that there was that he was bumped at the start and I'm like hey, he didn't look bumped says, at me at all. It says bump start four wide on the turn. Yep. It should say murdered start, but yeah. Yep. So uh, that, that was one where I I kind of tasted my own vomit when when I re- watched this replay because I. I actually played that race and I ran second and I'm like, who is this? So I was at, I was watching on the big screen at Del Mar and uh, I'm like, who is this horse? I'm like, oh, I couldn't have had this horse. And I just didn't do, I didn't do the work that I should have. So that was a bummer. The uh, 20, 23 to one up in smoke and, and should have been an absolute use. The last race I have for us, well, actually it would be the spin away and the hopeful. Just, I want to hear if you had anything coming into the, into the, both of those races or anything out of those races that you thought was very interesting? You know, the hopeful, I shared with you my notes. Yep. Um, the, the hopeful, I thought Basin was a dunk, um, and, he, and he was. I just had too many negatives on the other ones, and that's when you start – that's when your, your work starts to pay off. You know, if you've got – if you've got negatives on everybody and you've got a really strong, even – it might be a, a, a short little comment uh, like I had, I had noted for Basin was huge gallop out. And uh, he was getting a little bit more ground. He was drawn well. Um, but I had, you know, I had bad notes on the others. Um, I had shoplifted that they were hooked right in front of him. He, five clear of him that he had a perfect trip. Uh, that was my note. Perfect trip with plenty of open air, and stalking a duel. I mean, it doesn't get any more perfect than that. No, it uh, doesn't. Um, American Butterfly. I, I had that speed dominated that race, and he was up front, the only horse on, that that uh, on the board that closed was a first timer for Pletcher. Um, so to me, that was kind of it looked like a merry-go-round. Mount, merry-go-round race 
the best horse was scratched. And this is one where Godzilla, I had, uh, and you didn't see it in my trip notes, but that's one where the speed handicapping, rather the pace handicapping versus the speed figures is huge because I had a mess of his last race. And, and if I'll, I'll bore you with these fractions, absolutely they had a, no no boring fractions so they had the day godzilla ran they had a divided race that's that's my cads class age distance sex mm-hmm. and godzilla that day this was godzilla's fractions 22 46 45 55 they finished 109 59 a different race that day they ran 21 84 so they ran six or, or three lengths faster early. They ran forty four ninety four. So again, faster to the half now. Yes. So it's 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 the same spread to the half, which you know no breather. So this race was gonna fall apart, and they finished one hundred nine eighty six. Okay, so. Yes, they crawled home, and yes, Godzilla ran faster. But if the the way I look at it is, if you can run even fractions, you're you absolutely are gonna run faster. So, yeah. to me, he had a I just call kind of a a hollow wire to wire trip. And so, if you can run, if you can run even fractions, and you can run twenty three, forty six, one hundred nine, you run every quarter in twenty three. That's a gift. The horses that ran that day that showed speed at 2184, they may have run slower, but they were way better than Godzilla that day, in my opinion. I would much rather have that at 2184 and finish 109 and one length difference. Yeah. But they went three faster to the first quarter, three fast, three faster to the half, which is almost 70% of the race. Yes. He's getting he's getting his butt kicked working while this thing's in jog mode. I mean, Godzilla was clear four in a jog. Yeah, you know, he was he was you know he he was talented and he wasn't being ridden out, um, but he still you knew he was going to get a test this day. And uh, I had a I had a negative note on buyer side. Great stocking spot throughout. Uh, was my note. So, you know, so far out of the four horses, I've got negatives among, um, inside risk. Uh, I had closers ran one, two, it looked like a meltdown and it's Pletcher off. That's a big negative. And then I had basin and, and the note I had on basin was pace was faster than normal and contested. And, and then the trip note, I had huge gallop out. So for me, basin was a, was a dunk and he got the right trip that he should have, you know, he stalked outside and the other one that, that was hammered, he had to work this time. And he, he did what he probably should have done, which was he tired and he got run over. So really, even, even before you handicap the race, if you just go through your trip notes, you can almost relatively circle base and be like, okay, I'm done for the day. This is the horse I'm, you know, going to put, you know, 60, 70% 60, 70% of the bankroll through. And you know race. what's funny is, yep, no, that's exactly right. And, and the, the beauty of doing the trips is that if I do them well and I put in the time, 
I don't have to spend a lot of time handicapped. I've already done it. Now, granted, I'll, I'll go through and I'll, you know, I combine this with, you know, I use some software and, you know, I've, I'd like to see if anyone's tipping their hand, maybe with a workout, if it's a, if it's a big race and I know they're not trying to hide, I look at stuff like that, but you know, for the most part, I'm done. I can handicap the race pretty, pretty quickly, but you can't half-ass it. You got to no. be honest with yourself when you're doing your notes, right? So if I'm doing my notes and I, and I, and I'm not doing it the way that I know that I should be, if I'm losing focus, you know, cause I've been at, at my computer for two hours, I'll walk away and I'll, and I'll take a break because you, you've got to do it the right way for it to pay off. And this is one where, you know, I could have handicapped that race in 30 seconds because mm-hmm. I had pretty, I had pretty good notes on, on everybody. So, and then you're negative on Godzilla. I don't know if you said it or if I missed it. Well, the negative was, were just the fractions. So Godzilla's race they had the same class, age, distance, and sex ran that day. And, it and was that just... was the race where they went so much faster early. And the race was, it was a tiny bit slower. But the horse, the horse that showed speed on that day um, was there at the wire. And to me, that maiden, I don't, I don't remember who it was. I know I've got, a, I've got a horse watching on it. But the speed that day, I would have, I would have taken over Godzilla. So, so, again, one of the things I look for is when they divide these races, these maidens, and you get the you get the same horses, two-year-old boys, straight maiden, running six furlongs. There were two races that day, and the fractions were so much more obviously. Uh, ta- there was so much better talent in that other race, in my opinion. Yeah, and Godzilla did it in fine fashion, but. He just Not, wasn't – there was no test. There was no test, and he was going to get a test today. He was going to have to run a lot faster early. And that's why you know, I, I debate this with people, some sharp people that I respect. I'm just not a speed figure guy for that very reason because if, if I find – and I like to use the, the six furlong analogy, which I just rattled off, but – if I can run even fractions and I go 23, 46, 109 flat and I'm leading, that is a very average race compared to a race that backs up. I'd rather have the horse that runs 20, 22 and then goes 45. So he runs 22 seconds, then he runs 23 seconds, and then he runs 24 seconds because he's tired. Rather have that one. They ran the same exact time. They'll get the same exact figure. All right. So any speed figure is going to come up the same. And one is clearly better than the other. So then to me, it would come yeah. down to almost like an ability figure then for Godzilla. So if he ran 84 in the debut, but you thought it was kind of more of like nonchalant, would you say he ran more of like a high 70 or even a mid 70? Like, do you ever do stuff like that where you go up yeah. and down on the buyer's tail? You can, but then you're handicapping the buyer. I'd yeah. rather just handicap the. I'd rather just handicap the race, and the pace. Interesting. So, so you know, like if like let's say you spun it around and you say you went really slow early. Let's say you went twenty four, twenty three, twenty two. I'd rather have that one too. Yeah. 
right? So if you ran, you know, if you're a closer and you ran 24 and then you ran 23 and then you ran 22 and you ran 109 flat, three different races, all running 109. The one that's the worst is the one that ran evenly, in my opinion. I'd rather come up with the closer that no one's on because he's a closer and he can fly home. Because if he gets a little help, that's that's where you find value there. There's a reason why favorites are are typically speed horses sprinting on dirt, you know, because they're they're easy to find. Um, but when you when you start really getting into the fractions, and and Saratoga has been a gold mine for me with the babies because maybe not that day, which I don't play. I'll be honest with you, I don't I don't play there. It's uh, kind of like what, what Pete was saying the other day with uh, – maybe it was with you um, about chaos theory. And these things mm-hmm. can be chaotic. you got different – there's just a lot of factors going on. But not, to, uh, not to cut you off, Benny, but uh, we are on a bit of a tight time schedule. Can I just get a quick thought for you on the spin away, and then we got to head out of here? I have a special place in my heart for uh, Perfect Alibi. Um I think in his previous race, a lot there was a lot of naysayers that that the two the two other horses that he had beat um, had rough trips, and, and they did. But Perfect Alibi in his or her previous race uh, was really impressive. In behind, taking a ton of throwback, kind of had a zigzag split and was impressive, and and validated her performance this time sneaking through on the rail running over a horse that had a perfect trip and Frank's rocket who when they met in the previous the previous race I can't remember the name of it but it was a big stake uh in early August um I just thought she was really impressive today and and proved that she was a a better horse overall that's very interesting Benny Benny I want to appreciate thank you for your time today I have learned so much in trip handicap and I'm looking forward to using it for the next Oh, stop it. I'm blushing, Spencer. Stop it. (laughs) No, I'm just, I'm looking forward to using it at Belmont. Um, Again, special thank you to Benny South Street. Wanted to give a quick shout out to a man named Matt Taylor, who I met Sunday at the Bet Squad booth. He gave me a couple good ideas for some upcoming shows. Matt, those are in the vault. I'll be looking forward to doing that. For me, my name is Spencer Luganbuehl. My Twitter is at Handy underscore Capper. If you got anybody on the airwaves has any ideas for this podcast, please do not be afraid to share a message. This show has been a product of In The Money Media. Our president is PTF. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. I will see you all next week. Mm-hmm.